Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Oh, no, we missed a month again. All right, well. We never do that. We can fix ever. this. We can remedy it. We can turn it around. We are recording not quite on Christmas Eve as the original plan was, but close enough. <laughs> this is the, the still alive but very badly burned uh, Anime World Order podcast. It's December. I don't know what happened. We were here a minute ago. We thought we were doing pretty good with the Harmageddon episode. Apparently not, but here we are, episode 102 of the Anime World Order podcast. Almost Christmas, we should be with our families, but we're not. I'm tremendously out of practice, but I think as I check my wallet, it says my name is Daryl Surratt. And I'm pretty sure I'm still Gerald Rathkolb. And I think that I am Clarissa, at least for as long as I remain awake. We'll have to get a third-party confirmation on all these things a little later on. (laughs) Uh, in the program today, but every, I guess, month or so, as I look through the year of how many podcasts we put out this year, 2011 was somewhat demoralizing, but the idea is every time we show up and grace you with our presence, we are supposed to talk about Japanese animation, Japanese comics. In reality, we've probably just been playing too many video games and not playing video games at the same time. So... If you have a problem with any of this, and I, I certainly would if, if I was a listener and paying all that subscription money that you have to pay for the Anime World Order podcast, the, what is it? Zero dollars. Zero dollars and zero yes, cents. Yes. The email address you can contact us to vent your concerns, frustrations, and, and questions and inquiries is animeworldorder at gmail.com. Uh, we've also got a website. It's pretty hard to guess, uh, not very easy to remember. What can we say? GoDaddy and their support for SOPA uh, makes things as difficult as possible. But our URL is www.animeworldorder.com. Try and remember that. Maybe um, you know you have to rewind this a couple times, listen to it you know, two or three. Maybe you'll get the hang of it. And because it's Christmas, we should do something special for Christmas. Yeah, something never before seen. Are we actually sure if anybody's still listening to this podcast? I am checking... The they all statistics give it up? and uh, people are still downloading episodes. My God, they must be masochists. I think maybe what happens is they're getting new phones, new gadgets, and they end up having to resynchronize and re-download every single show. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Maybe they're just opening up an old laptop and then opening up iTunes from like a year ago or something. They just haven't updated it. Who knows? Anyway, we should do something special this episode. And that's something special that you haven't really seen. It's like totally unexpected, not kid stuff for the Anime World Order podcast is we are going to read emails. I know it's such a a, a spectacular thing. We've got uh, 1,364 emails in the the inbox here. Most of them are press releases. Uh, Not all of them are from Chase Wang anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe we should intersperse that with a bit of trivia now and again. Will there be fabulous prizes? Uh, I'll buy you a drink. Oh, Oh boy, trivia. Now that my brain has ceased to function in the small amount of time between semesters. Let's see if I can answer anything. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I'm also on my very rare vacation, so I'm also playing video games a lot. Probably a lot more than I should. All I know is that the last time that I was involved in trivia anything, it was probably the least popular and well-received episode of the Atomic Trivia War 9000 in history. If you are curious <laughs> to hear that, you can always go to the website and click the guest spots section. That was uh, recently on some other podcasts as well, and you can see uh, all those guest appearances over there. And unlike the Atomic Trivia War 9000, our female co-host will actually know the answers to some questions. Burn. Well, now uh-huh. that you've said that, I'm going to answer everything wrong. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Another thing we never, ever do is review anime, which is something I'll be doing this episode as well. I did a short review for another podcast, Anime Grararu. This is like some weeks ago, but I'm going to be talking about Gunpla Builders. It's not, you know, double dipping because their entire show is about 20 to 30 minutes long. We take about 20 to 30 minutes to say what our show is. <laughs> so expect that. So um, we have an email here from uh, Mark Sewell, and he asks, Manga for short attention spans. Hey, AWO crew. First of all, the obligatory praise. You guys are pretty rad. I love your podcast. You should come to Teshokan up here in Pittsburgh. I'll buy a round of drinks or something. Second of all, I have a problem. I think you guys can help me. If you'd ask me, I'd say I love manga. But when I think about it, I honestly don't read manga that often. There aren't many manga I've read in their entirety. I think a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that I have severe ADD. Because it seems that so many manga are nigh interminable. Some things I just avoid altogether because I'm intimidated by the length they ran for, and others I start and never finish. I'm sure there's plenty of good manga out there that would suit me. I just don't know much of what they are. That's where you guys can help me out. What are some of your favorite manga that you would recommend for someone in my condition? Whether they're one-shots, just relatively short, or maybe things where the volumes are kind of self-contained. Also, as far as genre and such, anything will suffice. All three of you have tastes that overlap with mine a good amount, so I trust you. It'll be more interesting for you to answer for people in general with the same sort of problem than just those things that I'm into anyway. Thanks in advance, Mark. Well, the first thing that comes to mind for like the super short attention span might be um, shortcuts. If you can find that, those were one-page comics, maybe? <laughs> I was going to say go even shorter than that. If you can't even deal with one page, start with all the four-panel stuff. I mean, we've actually got a mm. decent amount of it has been released uh, in the U.S. Easiest stuff to find would be things like Azumanga Daio. Various comedy stuff like that. What was that Grim Party? I think it was called Grim Party or something like that, which was a weird 70s four coma that they turned into an educational comic by explaining each joke. Not that mm. I would really recommend that one. Yeah, generally speaking, gag manga tends to be fairly short, not really an ongoing story. It just kind of gets in, tells its jokes, and gets out. And so things like even Cromarty High or Shortcuts is a little too hard to find. It's like out of print mm-hmm. for a couple yeah. years. Yeah. Horror manga also tends to be fairly short. Some of the stuff that we've talked about before, like most of the Jinji Ito stuff, usually either one volume of like assorted short stories or stuff like Gyo or Uzumaki is no more than like three volumes. A lot of the Tezuka stuff that Vertical is releasing, most of it is usually one or two self-contained volumes. They are long sometimes, mm. but they are one story. They are oftentimes the things that I suggest to people who are new to manga. Yeah, things like the Blackjack volumes, things like Astro Boy, those are all good examples. I'm 
way, way back. I'm thinking in, of stuff like Mew and such. That's uh, like just one shot. It's a, it's a long book. But yeah, in terms of Blackjack, the story is it. It's a one chapter and it's generally done. Uh, same thing with Astro Boy. Way back years ago, we're talking about, I reviewed a great manga called the Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service. Each one of those stories is, you know, the self-contained thing. There's not really an ongoing story. I mean, you could pick up kind of any volume and read that. And similarly, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I recommended Golgo 13 uh, years ago. That's like the king and the epitome, the master of you don't need to really be focused on continuity because it's a known outcome. But it's procedural, very much like how Corpse Delivery Service is procedural in its content. And so those can be pretty good. If you just want to pick up and read something kind of cool and not necessarily funny uh, intentionally, but (laughs) you'll have a story and, you know, you won't have to necessarily be like that really long shonen fighting arc kind of thing. He also, Fantagraphics has started releasing some of their classic shoujo stuff. They put out a collection by Motohagio. It's called A Drunken Dream and Other Stories. And it's just one book and it's all individual self-contained one-shot storylines. Yeah, I highly recommend that one. I can't disagree with the guy. Like, It's the same thing with getting into those long anime series. Like When you look at Naruto or Bleach or One Piece, you know where to start. But I mean, the finishing point is so far away that it's just so intimidating to even begin that. Yeah, I find that now, especially that so much stuff is coming out, well, now I'm not really buying much of anything just because I don't have really time to read manga anymore. You know, because so many things are coming out, I have a tendency to start buying something and then not finish getting it if it's a longer series because other new things come out. And so I get distracted by, oh, I have to buy this other new series that's coming out. And then I realize, oh, yeah, I never finished getting all of this other title. I'm really bad about that, yeah. I suppose in that sense, of all the people who are publishing manga, uh, the main people who keep that in mind as that being a recurring problem for a lot of readers would be Vertical Inc. Mm. It's been a long time since we've reviewed anything from Vertical on the show. I think Ed Chavez cut us off on review copies a while back because he was like, <laughs> fucking AWO, they don't have a review of goddamn thing I send them. Wait a second, we got review copies? No, they came from Vertical and they stopped arriving. <laughs> so I, I think um was like, send them straight to Jason Thompson instead. Screw this. <laughs> That's my Ed Chavez impersonation. That's exactly how Ed Chavez sounds. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Gosh, I know there's a bunch of others that I'm thinking of, but those are some really good places to start, especially the ones that like the Drunken Dream one and such, because those are still in print and you can still find that. I think you're just biased towards a Drunken Dream because everybody else on this podcast has autographed copies of a Drunken Dream, except for me. But it is a good book. I have it. (laughs) I recommend it. Maybe not all the stories are perfect, but it's an anthology. What are you going to do? Right. That's exactly what it is. So I think we should do some trivia in in between an email. What do you think? All right. That's the power of will. That is the power of will, yes. Will triumphs over apathy every time. All of this is anime-related trivia, so we should give this a shot. Are they specifically directed questions to specific people, or is this a race to see who can beat who else? This is a race, and also, I am always right, regardless of what you think. You just did the voice effect to give yourself the voice of God to prove that you are always (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay, what is considered... The first commercially available anime series to be released on DVD. On DVD? In, in America. It has to be a series. We're not talking about like a no. one-shot thing. It can be a one-shot. The first anime DVD release. I always say it's Art of Fighting. You're correct. It is Art ah. of Fighting. 
1998. Yeah, I was trying to think of the ones that I knew that came out early. I knew Battle Athletes came out. Yeah, that was a really early, early one. Yeah. I swore that it was Battle Arena Toshinden, but uh, I, was, uh, I was shot down when I asked the experts about it. Mm. Um, now, what was the first anime title to be released in the U.S. without an accompanying VHS release? Ooh. The first one that was, you know, this was the end DVD of the only. VHS. DVD only. First DVD only anime. This is not a popular title. This is probably something that... This is like the Chris Beveridge heard. listening to it being like, <laughs> it's totally this porno. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It was in the 2000s. It was a one-shot, three-episode thing. Not really popular at all. The cast of Tenchi Muyo was involved in it, or the staff of it was. Oh, was it a Tenemonia Voyagers? Exactly. I was, was thinking Tenemonia it was a Voyagers. weird name like that, because I remember that was something that came out, and I thought that was a simultaneous release. I think I won that somewhere. Like, I somehow obtained a copy of it, but I don't think I purchased it. <laughs> that was a very weird one. Like, if it was meant to be, like, a lot longer, and then in the show itself it says... And then these people went off on their adventures, but we won't any know any more about it because the show has just ended. Then it ended. Yeah, it was very strange. Very strange. Did they yeah, like run out of money, I guess? I guess it was just not popular enough. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, stellar anyway. Right. Let's see. Now, you know who wrote these questions because of this question right here. And by the way, this is meant to lead to a follow-up question. This is terribly obscure. Name the singer of the closing song of the 1986 anime movie Gal Force Eternal Story. See, I own Gal Force Eternal Story, but it's not like... Is it Mio? No. If it was no. Mio, I would remember. <laughs> that <is laughs> That's a, a good point. Guess. Yeah, Mio did everything back then. This singer was popular in her time. Is still doing stuff today, actually. Her name is Kaoru Kahirumaki. And the follow-up question is, Kaoru Kahirumaki also did the opening theme song for a popular 1986 anime TV series. This did get released in the U.S. and on DVD. And it actually got released a little bit on VHS. What was that series? So it's only a little bit on VHS. Never got completed on VHS. It got finished on DVD. There's only a few shows I can think of for which that fits the bill, and I don't recall that name popping up in Urusei Atsura as someone who sang a theme song for that. So I have to think about this. That's a darn good guess, though, considering the amount of music in that show. Yeah. It's later than Yurusei Atsura. Yurusei Atsura, I guess, was like 84 or something. It's on Dirty Pair, is it? Good guess, but no. You got the year right. And, uh, okay. I'll give you a guess. It's about a, a mercenary. Well, gee, there's only like Golgo 13. <laughs> City Hunter? Gotcha. It is City yeah. Hunter. Yeah. I don't consider City Hunter a mercenary. Yeah, I couldn't remember if City Hunter had come out partially on VHS. I was trying to remember. It got but. released in the, the, like, a long time ago, ADV was doing, like, their ADV fan sub line. And if you remember way back when, and, and City uh, Hunter was part right. of that. Yeah. So you yeah. could get some episodes on VHS. Well, clearly, what's happening here is, like I alluded to in the beginning, I'm just having severe trouble reconciling who I am and what I know. I need to get, like, some sort of... <laughs> external confirmation who is someone who can tell me and confirm that yeah i am indeed who i say i am uh let me see if uh i can i can hail somebody else hello do you know who i am <laughs> yeah of course who, who, who am i 
<laughs> Daryl Serrat. Great. New World that is now I know. I, I wasn't sure. I was having trouble. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> who are you? Who, who is this person? Who is this mysterious stranger? I'm Erin from the Ninja Consultant Podcast. Whoa! Woohoo! I like how you still introduce yourself as that as opposed to Erin from Shelf Life. Where everybody <laughs> would know you. I don't know. You know, whenever I'm at a con, nobody has ever heard of Anime News Network. It's really weird. But they've all heard of the Ninja Consultant podcast. <laughs> no, but sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes they wear a shirt of my show without knowing it's for my show. Oh, yeah. The, I survived the filler arc or just Ninja Or just Consultant. the ones that say Ninja Consultant. Yeah. I, I've yeah. seen several of the Ninja Consultant shirts around. I, yeah. I wonder if people are ripping you off now. You should. No, we, we sold a lot of shirts. Oh. Because they're not blatant us. advertisements. You caught what? us right in the middle of anime trivia. Oh no! See, you our were... shirts suck because I wear our shirt around, and then people keep thinking it's an actual wrestling shirt, and then they try to talk to me about wrestling, and I'm like, I don't know. That's so a, that, many that is also what happens when I wear your shirt. Yeah, exactly what happens with me too. It never happens to me though. Like the only time it's ever happened is maybe once. <laughs> and you're once, the one who does know about wrestling. It's maybe yeah. once or twice at Otakon ever, someone just said, "Hey, cool shirt." And then they just kept walking. No one ever tries to strike up a conversation uh, with me. <laughs> For me, it was a guy who looked really enthusiastic to finally see a girl who was interested in wrestling. Well, yeah, you have to be. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's yeah. blood in the yeah. water. It's like if you <laughs> are a girl and you have like a Gears of War shirt or like a N7 hoodie or something like that. That's yes. <laughs> someone's got to get clawed and taken out to get to the girl who knows mm -hmm. the thing. Right. I was so sad when I realized that the N7 hoodie in the collector's edition of Mass Effect 3 isn't a real hoodie. It's for your character. Aww. I was hoping it was a real hoodie. Yeah, the $80. It had a real N7 hoodie, though. Yeah, I know Sean uh, Russell's yeah. got one, I think. Oh, no. It's uh, maybe Dave, yeah, I know. Dave Riley has one, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dave Riley. I know that guy. People try to talk to Dave about his all the time. Hey, Dave Riley, I see you have Spectre, huh? And he's, Dave's, you know... <laughs> So I, I think right. we should bombard Erin uh, with, with some trivia, see how much she knows. All right. Like, you wrote this, right? All right. Are, are these just wrote for Aaron? all the or? questions. These are for everybody. Okay. But, okay. Uh, we'll give Aaron first first shot at this. Uh, all right. How does, does it work like Jeopardy? How is this Before, it's just been like whoever answers first is the strongest, and I'm not the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm not keeping any score, so. It's a Clive no. Anderson thing. <laughs> yeah, Clive Anderson, exactly. We're just going to go by that. So. <laughs> Aaron. Okay. Before Kenji Kamiyama was the director of the Ghost in the Shell TV series and Eden of the East, he made his directorial debut in 2002 in this short comedy series that was released with a movie with the subtitle Wasted 13. What was the series? He just gave you the answer. Okay. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Think Alan Mendez's opposite's favorite show. His favorite show. The opposite of Alan Mendez. <laughs> That's the worst hint I've ever heard. <laughs> Do I have to get the dibs out and then talk like Alan Mendez? I don't. I. I, I don't know what this is called. All right. It's called Mini Pato. Yeah, Mini Pato. It was a. Uh, Oh, right. Mini Pato specifically, because I knew I was like Wasted 13 to so Pat Labor, but Pat Labor yes. was not, it was older than that. So I was a little confused. Like I, I, I have looked that up before to be like, oh, what are all the other things guys directed? And seen the icon of Chibi Mechs and then not, I couldn't remember even if it was Pat Labor. Yeah. Mini Pato. Those were, those were pretty fun. Um, I wish I'd kind of done a few more. And speaking of the third Pat Labor movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Can I tap out? 
Oh, no, no. No, no, no. You just got <laughs> so, here. So, hold on. Was that, briefly, was that like a trend for a while? Like, whatever happened to that? Because it seems like I recall, like, a whole bunch of things that they came out with, like, special chibi because they had the adventures of the mini goddesses for oh my yeah, goddess, yeah. and they had mini Pato, and what was the scramble wars? For, yeah, that, well, that was like many a, many was years prior, yeah. along with SD Gundam. In the case of Mini Pato, it was largely very much like how so many of those little production IG one shot things are. It was just to sort of test out some experimental animation techniques. Oh, gotcha. Since like in the case of Blood the Last Vampire, they used like CG animation, like predominantly digital. Yeah. And then for Mini Pato, a lot of that was actually done with paper cutouts. Yeah. Right. right. And then that was later used, or um, Oshi used that in his least popular movie ever to what's fast food grifters the fast food grifters which you know he did the whole movie using that technique and yeah. i kind of still want to see that movie but the only people who've seen it are people who like got the bootleg or imported it and just kind of rolled with it and yeah. it's such a weird movie because it's this screwball zany comedy but it takes place in his general world <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a very strange movie, the little that I've seen of it. Yeah. Then again, Shoji Kawamori's film career is pretty powerful. I mean, he was in your favorite, Aaron, uh, Van Von Hunter. What? Remember <laughs> that, that time you owned Van Von Hunter on DVD, Aaron? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, oh, I heard you. You did watch Harmageddon, then you hated it. No, but... I didn't hate it. Well, well, no, I no, no, hated hate it. it. But now you need to get Van Von Hunter and force <laughs> Noah to sit through all of it. If he can sit through this, he will have leveled up to like godlike status. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's actually seen through the end of Van Von Hunter. <laughs> no one can survive. I mean, maybe Stu Levy saw it. <laughs> they had to just switch out editors. The editors committed suicide. <laughs> I just imagine it like them opening the Ark in, in Raiders, like this skin just <laughs> melting off. <laughs> I think that is what happened in that Otakon video room that morning when they were running Van Von Hunter. <laughs> we never did hear from those people again. Hmm. <laughs> That's why no one's ever heard of anyone who's heard, who's seen it. They all died. No, no, no. Yes. Dave from uh, you know Astro Toy, he he saw a few minutes of it, but you know he had to tap out pretty fast. <laughs> I got through maybe three own. minutes. So is that, it still that, on Netflix? I think it's on Hulu. Hulu, still. okay. That's where I tried to watch a bit of it. <laughs> is it worse than that one we watched with like the, the unicorn tears and the guy impaled on the door for like... Oh, the Media Blasters movie. Minutes? <laughs> it is so much worse. Oh, oh my God. God. That's pretty bad. Oh, it's... it's <laughs> this was filmed at a lot of anime cons, I believe, like just in the hallways and such. It wasn't just something that was filmed there. It was something that was quite the expenditure that was a major contributor, I understand, to Tokyo Pop going under. That, uh, you know, even making a cheap movie is still making a movie. Yeah. Aaron. Okay. Speaking of the third Pat Labor movie. <laughs> that movie was directed by a guy named Fumihiko Takayama, who also directed an American animated movie from 1982 based on a novel by Peter Dickinson. What was that movie? What? <laughs> Just use your Peter Dickinson knowledge. <laughs> I haven't read any books. <laughs> oh, that's cruel, Gerald. Wow. Is it a fantasy book or a YA novel or what? It is a fantasy book, yes. Okay. It was nice shown on uh, TV quite a lot. Was it a made-for-TV movie or is it released theatrically? I think it was made for TV. Think high fantasy. Uh, no, I don't know. What, like, no. You guys have a guess? 
Oh, is it Flight of Dragons? Indeed it is. Yeah, I love that movie. It took four years for it to be released in the U.S. It made in 1982 and was only released in the U.S. in 1986. Even getting it now is hard. Like, I think you have to go to, like, that Amazon print-on-demand, like, that Warner. It's not even that good a copy, and it costs you, like, $14. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I I have the first time. It's like a nice DVD release, like a remaster of it, but I guess it's never going to happen. I don't even know who owns the rights to it, honestly. It was also a really weird book like the book wasn't actually a novel it was actually like kind of an instructional book about dragons or something mm-hmm. or it was like an informative book and then they turned it into a novel yeah i mean or into a turn into it a, into like, the movie you mean yes right yes. right all right so i think we're, we're kind of getting tanked on the trivia we don't want to run out of things too fast we'll give everyone a chance to recharge by reading an email that's an extremely difficult email to answer right. <laughs> oh boy we've got lots of trivia and we've got aaron here and she can help us out uh, she's already told us our names, so I think she can help us out with this one. This one was written back in May, so we may have already answered it, or we may have just been too afraid to read it all this time. It's a question regarding the history and current state of anime. It's from Frank. In case you're wondering why I keep asking you questions, it's because you guys are pretty much the authority of anime metaculture. I don't know. Oh, really? I, I don't have a Stormtrooper outfit. Um, you know, that remains to be confirmed. But I got a question regarding how anime is both indicative of society and how anime has the power to shape said society. That sounded weird, but I'm fascinated by shows like Yamato, early Tezuka works, early Super Robot works, etc., that really show Japan struggling to come to terms with losing World War II. Of course, these were all done sort of towards the Reconstruction era of things. Then there are the 80s, where Reconstruction ended, and, you know, materialistic capitalist society was in session. As a result, we got stuff like Akira and Macross and Gundam and Megazone, which these things dealt with many then-contemporary problems and issues in metaphoric fashion. Politics, delinquents, all the stuff indicative of then-contemporary society. Of course, the economic bubble bursting resulted in Evangelion. Oh, of, of course, yes. Uh, and that turn of millennium mm. and postmodernist shift is Furikuri. I, yes, sure it is. I find things like this fascinating. What? And I think part of being an avid anime fan is learning about this stuff. My question is, how do you think series such as Yamato accomplished this feat? What do you think Leiji Matsumoto was saying when he made Yamato and Harlock? And, you know, right now the Eldreds and Harrisons of the world are saying, well, he didn't actually make Yamato, but we'll let that slide. Uh, what were the deeper meanings in the context of then-contemporary Japanese society? How do you think guys like Matsumoto, Gonagai, Osamu Tezuka, and many others essentially acted as social agents and helped shape post-World War II Japanese culture and society? I mean, uh, he's asked like 20 questions so far. He's got five more. Mm-hmm. Akira was popular as hell and was a turning point in Japanese cinema and American awareness. But what exactly does Akira say about the problems of Japanese society and the solution? Mm. Uh, we delve into these things briefly. Uh, these shows were awesome and you'd like to see us expand on these points. I think he's asking for an entire dissertation here. Yeah, he's asking us to write a master's thesis because... Well, I mean, actually, I mean, you know, I actually have a master's thesis from a classmate of mine that I need to read that she did on post-war manga dealing with the trauma of World War II. I mean, it's a huge topic. The thing is, is that's kind of, I don't know, it's like he's kind of asking about how the nature of art and entertainment work, right? Is one influencing the other or is it the other well, way? Or? Well, it's not It's not one or the other, it's both. It's like, right. a, it's a cycle, right? So the people who create 
art and entertainment come out of a certain cultural environment. They have certain experiences and those things inform what they make. And then other people go on to consume the stuff that they've made. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like a perpetual cycle. It gets difficult when you're talking about meaning because meaning – and this is part of the reason that there's so much scholarship going on is that meaning is an incredibly tricky and slippery thing to talk about, right? So are you talking about conscious meaning and intent on the part of the creator, you know, Matsumoto or Tezuka or whoever was overtly thinking and specifically trying to say, and that's part of the picture. But the fact of the matter is that we all have things that we communicate without intending to, right? There's all kinds of things that are part of our personality, that are part of our experiences that we don't necessarily intend to perpetuate or intend to communicate, but it shows up. Evangelion, of course, being, you know, the the ultimate example in that, you know, list of titles that he gave us. And I think he's also missing out on titles that, you know, he's naming a lot of titles that are popular here. A lot of the titles that are probably more representative of perhaps, you know, what was the Japanese were feeling or the, the Japanese mindset at the time. The Sazai-sans of the world, right? The one I'm thinking of that most comes to mind for me is actually Ashita no Joe. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That one, to me, is like the ultimate Japan rebuilding itself, you know, in, yes. the, in the post-war. Right. That's, it's built right into the show, right? In the form of not only the character, but the world that he's living in. The world he's living in is this really, like, downtrodden, very poor world. And yeah. he's a very downtrodden, very poor guy who has to kind oh. of start from the bottom again. Wait, can you guys hear me? Yes, yes. I thought you were going to turn into a dude for a second. I will. <laughs> okay. No, Noah, Noah's here on his way to Dungeons & Dragons, but he will say hi. Yay! <laughs> Hold on. Maybe you can ask him one question. What's going on? Should we ask Noah a trivia question, in between, answering question? This, <laughs> in between answering this very serious question? All right, yeah. Okay, Noah, we've got some anime trivia for you. Okay. You're going to excel at this. Okay, this Maybe. is actually a, ver- a very, very easy one. Actor Phil Hartman's final role was actually a work of anime from 1989. What was that work? Oh, man. Mm, I don't think I know the answer. You think he's lying. I think you're putting on a <laughs> poker face. I can see your poker face from here, and even though it's an audio conference. Obviously, it wasn't released in 1989 because Phil Hartman died in 96 or so. But it's a Hayao Miyazaki movie. Oh, oh. Uh, then I do know the answer. Uh, it's Kiki's Delivery Service. Excellent. Yeah, but I See, needed I needed that cue. 1989 we, we, is what threw me. Ah, I yes. understand. That's yep. not when it came out. Okay, sorry. We knew you knew it. Yeah, yeah, I, I did know that. Should we throw a harder one at him? Yeah, ask him to name Phil Hartman's role. Maybe no one can and... answer Frank's question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, right. maybe no one knows the answer to that question. But maybe we can have Noah answer a harder question about Phil Hartman related to his role in Small Soldiers. Oh, yeah. Which I saw in the theater. <clears throat> okay, Noah, try this one out. Yeah. Osamu Dezaki directed and supervised, he is an anime director, he directed and supervised a number of television series with the specific purpose of being made for an American audience. Can you name two of them? I can name two. (laughs) This is is tough. I think I can name one, but... Maybe I I can name three, then. Ulysses 31, right? No. No, that wasn't him. 
That was a French-Japanese co-production. Damn it. Dezaki worked on stuff oh. like Bionic 6. Bionic yep. right. Oh, yeah. Uh, he also did uh, some work on Rainbow Bright. <laughs> yes, he oh, did really? Rainbow Bright. Visionaries Knights of the Magical Light is the main one I remember him for. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, yeah, I remember did that. that. I he, didn't know he worked on Rainbow Bright. Yeah, he was one of the main directors on that. He was also in... Uh, it's because there were no pastels for the paintings to cut to because it was always in the pastels. <laughs> he was also the director of Mighty Orbots, and I would have accepted <laughs> Little Nemo because he was like the initial director Who on that. Who did not work on Little Nemo? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're... I uh, on that. <laughs> you're on a whole different level. <laughs> I, uh, I bow. <laughs> Let me put Aaron back on. <laughs> All right, but yeah, um, Frank's question is largely yes. impossible. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean it's too big. Part of it is that we weren't there. We also just aren't experts enough in this. I mean, you really have to be like an, uh, the real expert of Japanese sociology to really be able to answer this fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've got like all of Akira the manga, and I've got like the Akira art book and the Akira Club stuff, but that doesn't mean I can tell you what Akira's effect on society was. I mean, certainly what I can say about like the problems of society, you know, I can kind of look and see like, you know, all right, there's a general universal message to this. But, yeah. you know, what are the specifics of like, you know, was he commenting on this specific event? Can't say. Mm, yeah, I, I'm it's also think- tricky because so much of anime is, is niche entertainment. Yeah, that's why you I'm know? trying to think of like the bigger works that we don't get. Like Star of the Giants, I'm sure it was right. was very more reflective of Japanese society than you know a big work over here. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, a Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, well, I mean, the the biggest thing I know about Star of the Giants in terms of its influences on other sports series that came after it, and also you know inspired quite a lot of people in Japan to take up baseball. I mean, it, right. It caused a lot of people to really get interested or continue an interest in that. Yeah, I mean, it's there's all kinds of ways that it, that influence shows. Right. Know? So, yeah, it's, it's too big of a question. Here's the shortest way I can encapsulate the answer to the question. Whatever it is that Golgo 13 did, he's responsible for every major sociopolitical change <laughs> of the 20th and now 21st century. And so if there were changes that occurred in Japanese society, Gogo 13 was in the shadows, uh, shooting and banging his way to, you know, the reconstruction bubble and, and the burst symbol, symbolic of all of the things that Gogo 13 does. He was, he was there in South Africa with Mandela. Yeah, yeah. He, he did time with Mandela. Uh, you know, that's how Mandela knew. Only you can end apartheid in one single shot, Gogo 13. I need you to, to come and, and, and make it happen. He's like, I'll see what I can do. And then, you know, he, he went and he did it. I mean, I, e- even as we speak, you know, I'm, I'm trying to chronicle what's going on with Gogo 13 because, you know, we know that he was responsible for George W. Bush winning the election. But we also know that he was responsible for Al Gore getting the Democratic primary nomination because the previous <laughs> person who had the Democratic primary got assassinated in Gogo 13 Queen Bee. And so, you know, it's my understanding. Al Gore couldn't have run. He could not have run for president had Golgo 13 not paved the way for him to then lose the presidency. You know, he works in mysterious ways. He's a force. I appreciate emailing us and giving us a real head-scratcher there. 
That could be like an entire podcast episode. Yes. Several, or just an entire podcast, 12 episodes. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I, I think I think his question, I mean, the real answer is like multiple PhD dissertations, <laughs> you know, so. They might already be, ri- be written like in Japanese or something. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, I'm sure there's way more scholarship about this being done in Japan. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, just there are a lot of books like translated. that. There are a lot of books like that that don't make it over here about like really critical stuff about right. manga and anime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when um, we went to comic you know, Ed was telling us about some of the Dojin series that come out that have criticism stuff in them and that, you know, yeah, you get it there and that's kind of it. And that stuff, you know, doesn't get translated. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, and like really start straight up hardcore analysis of stuff like Blackjack and whatever, yeah. but like in a, you know, real published book, not just Dojin. Right. I give a hand to that guy for giving us, you know, one of the toughest questions we've ever gotten, mm-hmm. even if we didn't answer anything of it at all. <laughs> Do we want to try some more trivia? Sure. Clarissa's very meek response there means, yes, let's do this. <laughs> Name ADV's first dubbed release. It was a two-episode OAV from 1990 and 1992. Was it the ultimate Devil in Science? I was going to say it no. was the ultimate in science friction. <laughs> Guy double target. Guy Awakening of the Devil. Yes, this was... Oh, God. Yeah. The cast okay. was originally Tiffany Grant and Robert Mungle. Uh, actually, he was named Mungle Roberts, and he was using his pseudonym. His real name is Robert Mungle. No one would ever guess. <laughs> so Yoko was sub-only? Yes, for a long time. It only got dubbed okay. like in the late 90s, I think. Oh, okay. oh it was a trick question. I was always going to say Devil Hunter Yoko. Ah, and name ADV's second dub, which is the only work by ADV to never have a subtitled release. Oh, I was going to say Burn Up, but then there is, I believe, a subtitled Burn Up. And that got dubbed, like, a while later. Just think about that. Just think, like, they really owned their craft at it. And then they yes. went and they, to, to make the Burn Up <laughs> dub. <laughs> this is, this no is a subtitled release. It's a terrible, terrible anime. This is no guess. And, um, <laughs> oh, and, you know, this should go as well in the same, in the same sentence. It was based on a video game. Mm. So, okay, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> there's there's been a few of those but it has to be panzer dragoon no that was actually years and years later this is samurai showdown oh okay that's that, right there is no subtitled samurai showdown because i know i i thought i have that dvd somewhere but that's the one where all of those all of those extra scenes that are never in the show yes and then there were some weird things about that dub because i don't remember if amakuza was supposed to suddenly change to being voiced by a girl to a guy or vice versa <laughs> originally or if it was just like some sort of tommy wiseau the dub actor just sort of stormed out of the room and they <laughs> didn't feel like going back and redubbing the lines i don't know what the story with that one was i do remember that matt greenfield in- ended up being earthquake himself he was in virtually every one of those dubs. He used a different name, though. I um, What was his name he used? I forgot, but he was in virtually every one of those early dubs. Yeah, and, and he it just, wasn't it, usually like as a bit one, like David Williams would usually have like some random kill the demon kind of voice in the background. <laughs> no, Matt Greenfield would have like a role of some substance. Yeah, he would. The reasoning, I believe, was that they were such a small company that they didn't want to make it seem that the voice director and the co-founder was also doing voice acting, that they would seem like too small and janky in operation, so they made up names for that. I believe one of the earliest things they ever dubbed, though, besides, you know, the guy, was actually F3, where they said that they were just, like, trying out their new studio for that at the time. Hmm. Okay, some 
slight interference there, but you said one of the first things they dubbed, or one of the second things they dubbed was F3, the, like the porn? The porn, the yeah. Porno, yeah. And it's it's a pretty hilarious dub. Hilarious in, in a good way, or like hilariously terrible? Well, they were just kind of trying everything with that dub, uh. so if you can find it, it's a pretty funny dub to listen to, and you're old enough to watch it, of course. <laughs> Let's try another one. Name either the American name or the Japanese name of the first color anime movie. Okay, well, I know this one, certainly. Panda I have to... and the Magic Serpent? Excellent. Right. Or Tale of the White Serpent from 1958. Mm. Because that's one of the things I mentioned in the Anime 101 panel, I was also throwing in an addendum that earlier in the year I was saying there was going to be, now there currently is, a recent live-action version of the same story came out I in China there were this many, year. Many. Yeah, I mean, there was a recent one. I mean, yeah, it's certainly been adapted multiple times. Um, the latest one... Uh, I think it's a Tony Ching movie. It stars Jet Li, and apparently it is horrible. Like Keith Allison was mm. watching it, and he said it was like, you know, it might just be the worst movie Keith Allison has ever seen. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> oh. He's seen bargain basement Bollywood films. Yeah, and he, yeah. he lives on that stuff, right? And but no, he was like, I was watching him on Twitter, just losing his mind. He's like, man, this might just be the most awful movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow, <laughs> he likes outsider cinema, things like that. Oh. That's, that's a bit too outside, it seems. <laughs> Aaron, this one's for you. Oh, get, I, all right. I know, you, I know you can get this one. I have faith in you. Okay. So not at all. I only have faith in the idea of Aaron. <laughs> Name the first anime released subtitled in the U.S., professionally subtitled, and what company released it? Oh, man. Uh... Why couldn't I have gotten the panda and the magic serpent question? <laughs> I had a shot at that one. Think about know. think about Gynax. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, know, it's, not, you, it's not it's not Gunbuster. Yes, it is Gunbuster. Oh, okay. And uh, it was released by. Uh, uh. You can use the real name or the name that the fans used. What? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're, you don't. You, you have to know the name the fans used as well of the outfit that brought us the one dollar to one yen exchange rate. We're leveling you up here. It's not. It's some. It's not anime ego or something, is it? No, it's no. Not. But I love how you have to struggle to say anime ego's name like they never existed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a bookstore called Books Napan that some people oh, would uh, often okay. refer to pejoratively as Crooks Napan because their t- <laughs> prices were kind of outrageous. And they, I believe they released it under the label, it might have been LA Hero at the time, became US, renditions, US renditions later. Okay. US renditions. LA Hero, I think, only released like the super violent stuff. Okay. So I, I thought mm-hmm. that they were both the same entity. I think so. I've never heard of this company. Okay. US renditions. Yeah, that's just the name that they put on, you know, various VHS releases of things that Neil Nadelman may or may not have worked on. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that he had some LA Hero giant robo involvement, but basically they completely disappeared right around when Manga Entertainment appeared in America because Manga Entertainment would release uh, the dub of like Appleseed for 20 bucks and they would have the VHS subtitle version for $35. Letters cost more money. Clearly. Well, subtitles cost more money for many, many years in the U.S. They always tried to bullshit us. And then only like after DVDs were out there, like, yeah, we did it because you fanboys would pay the money. Suck our dicks. That was John O'Donnell. 
John O'Donnell was a revolver real ocelot. Sucker. Well, we were. Yeah, he already so. had you know five hundred yes. million dollars of the philosopher's legacy, and he still had to charge us, you know, this extra <laughs> money for yep. our subtitled cartoons. And they were, he was the only one that did it, and he was the most blatant because they would be like two copies of it right next to each other on the shelf, and one was 30 bucks and one was 20 bucks. I thought everyone did it. I thought ADV did it. I thought Pioneer did it. I thought it yeah. wasn't until stuff like Nadia. Yeah, because Utena, the subtitle, even when Utena was coming out on VHS, the subbed ones cost more. Oh, I don't remember that. I thought that, uh, I thought that, well, it was Utena CPM, was, was yeah. CPM. But no, I, I thought that for a fact that, that Pioneer. No, ADV didn't do it. Because I remember it was like mm. a thing that I like, did. oh, wow, the Nadia came out, the subtitled copy outsold the dub. And everyone was like, oh, how hot damn. But maybe I'm hallucinating because I don't know if Nadia even got dubbed at that point. Because I thought that was an ADV fan subs thing, right? Nadia was only dubbed for the DVD. Mm. I was quoting a joke from like a fan dub, so I, <laughs> I wasn't oh, even buying wait. those pictures. Well, um, actually, I was wrong. Nadia was dubbed for uh, Central Streamline. Yes, I know because Carl Masek had to turn the volume down for that opening narration and talk over the Japanese. Okay. Well, we've established that Aaron is the number one Gunbuster fan ever. (laughs) She busts my guns any day. We'll ask her. We will. We will ask her another Gunbuster question. Oh no! (laughs) What? Gunbuster contained many references and parodies. One character in that was a reference to two psychologists. Can you name this character and the psychologists? Oh. <laughs> There's only one oh, character man. I know of psychologist names. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. She got red hair and big old underage titties. I don't know the name. Maybe Noah would know. What's that redhead in Gunbuster? With the big old titties. Explain that. Noah has to know that part. Underage. Specify. <laughs> Don't want to specify that she's underage. No, it's drawn and blank to you. Okay, her name is Jung Freud, after Carl Jung and Jung. Sigmund Freud. Yes. Excellent. I never knew okay. who Carl Jung was until after I saw Gunbuster, because I was like, J-U-N-G, oh. that ain't a person. <laughs> How can you ask, have asked me the question about that other, the guy character named after the guy in real life? Because we knew you would get the smith Torin one. No. I also even blanked on his name, so. I made, like, so. Torin Smith buttons at one point. <laughs> also, Aaron is also the biggest Sailor Moon fan in history. Not as big as Ed Hill. But, it's so, true. Well, you're going to get a question about Sailor Moon via Gunbuster. So, <laughs> during the final science lesson of Gunbuster, Noriko is asked to name all of the planets. As she names them, she cosplays as various Sailor Moon characters. Really? I, however, Noriko gets confused beyond Jupiter. Why is that? All right, I understand the reason why, but the problem is is that you are referring to a science lesson that, as far as I can tell, was never included on the U.S. release until maybe the Bandai visual ones, if that. That's why this is hardcore and why no, Aaron is hardcore. No, it wouldn't actually hardcore. be hardcore. It would be more contemporary. If Aaron has reviewed the Bandai visual Gunbuster for Shelf Life, which I don't think she has, she could conceivably get no, this one. No, they never sent me. I, I only I reviewed like that Gunbuster dual movie pack 
for Otaku. Yeah, we don't have any of the science lessons on it. So she, you're asking her a question about something she's never seen. Yeah, I don't remember this science lesson at all. I think I've seen some of the science lessons. I don't remember that one specifically, but I think I've Okay, here, here was the joke with the science lessons, was that they would always act like they were educational, but the science they would give was completely wrong. Right. It's bullshit, yeah. But it's pretty easy to logically figure out why she's confused after Jupiter, and the reason would be that the remaining outer senshi didn't exist yet at the time that Gunbuster was made. Yeah, I was like, oh, did okay. Gunbuster even come out at the same yeah. time as Sailor Moon? I was. It was. It was, it was concurrent. Sailor, yeah. But really? Oh, okay. Yep. At the, so the, by the, the time they finished Gunbuster, they hadn't gotten to the outer senshi yet. Exactly. Right. Wow. Uh, For some reason, I was thinking Gunbuster was earlier than. Yeah, Sailor I thought Moon. it was a lot older than Sailor Moon. Well, Sailor Moon's been around a long time, and I think that they're talking about the manga ended kind of fast, if I recall correctly, because I know they're only just starting to re-release that manga, and I don't think that manga went on for like a super long time. Mm. The manga, uh, oh God, I've got it all on my shelf. The Japanese versions. I think the Japanese versions are like eighteen volumes. Twelve. Okay, that's pretty long. Twelve, maybe something like that. It's okay, not. Twelve is not too bad. It's not hugely long, but it's not super short either. Right. Okay. I, well, Aaron is a big fan of chain restaurants. <laughs> no, I'm not. Remember that time you took Paul Chapman out to the chain restaurant? <laughs> specifically avoiding all the chain restaurants. So we're going to ask you a, a question about chain restaurants via Gunbuster. So, <laughs> How many Gunbuster questions are there? In Gunbuster, there is a mecca called the Sizzler. False. <laughs> right, it is it. named after the terrible American restaurant chain. I've only eaten at Sizzler in Australia. As a kid, I used to think Sizzler was awesome. Because they had soft serve ice cream. But you didn't actually hear the full question. You just thought there was a sizzle robot. You've got 50% chance here. So We didn't have them in Michigan. What was the question part? I said true or false. It is named after the terrible American restaurants. Uh, uh, true. False. It is actually <laughs> named. What kind of question is this? <laughs> it, is act- it is actually named after a small car that was released by Mattel in Japan. Nice. It was... Very, very popular toy, apparently, at the time. Which one was the Sizzler in <laughs> It, was, it was towards the like last few episodes, like the last oh. second to last episode or the last episode, I believe, where they had okay. these Sizzler robots. Okay, Sizzler. Yeah, was it in space or was it when Noriko realized that her high school rival was now an instructor at the Academy herself? And they it were... was in space. Okay. Then yeah. I do not remember any Sizzler robots. Sizzler black, Sizzler white. If, for some reason, I do remember them very well. But anyway, on to the next Wait, 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 wait. Was it based what? on a real car or only a toy car? It was a toy car. Because if it was a real car, that would be hilarious. Japanese cars do have There might be games. a real car called a Sizzler, but I'm not aware of it if it is. You like Hayao Miyazaki, right, Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of okay. course. This is about his son. This will be... <laughs> Here's the Hayao Miyazaki question via Gunbuster. No, no. <laughs> they're not, they're not via Gunbuster. I mean, otherwise it would just be a joke about all the questions are, you know, only about anime Gerald likes, and the only show he likes is Gunbuster. And okay, Mipato. the way, the 2001 film by Hayao Miyazaki is purported to have many themes from growing up to the bubble economy. When asked, so, so we should have named this when he was asking us about things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when asked about it, and this is a bullshit question, I'm going for it anyway. Great. When asked about it, the fine reviewer and uh, commenter Tomohiro Machiyama says the theme of the movie was what? Wait, the theme okay, of, I actually know this. Wait, the theme of Spirited Away? Yeah, Spirited what, what Away was Spirited was Away what? actually about, according about? To, to Patrick Macias' grandmaster, 
Tomo Machiyama. Where was this interview published? This is probably published like on the internet only <laughs> or only from listening to Hot Tears of Shame. No, no, Would you, you can, know? You, can, you might be able to figure this out. Think about the characters. What is it that she that happens to Chihiro oh, in I the think course I of the film? What is it that happens to Chihiro besides literally getting spirited away? She gets a job. Doing what, though? Uh, menial labor? I don't think know. About, think about Noah's I mean, job on the side. Yeah, yeah. What's Noah's side job, and how does it tie in to uh, the locale in which Chihiro is employed in once spirited away? Cleaning hot springs? I don't... Or, like... <laughs> I don't know. Tublicking. All right. Tomohiro Machiyama's pet theory is that spirited is away... About, like, child prostitution? Yes, it's about prostitution. <laughs> because, you know, she's basically working in a whorehouse oh. as a kid. And they like some that way. His argument was all of the red lights all over the place, the nature of the place. So, and Tomohiro Machiyama is, is a grandmaster at this stuff. So, so he I, must be right. Clearly. Well, he's well, currently got an internet series that's all about, you know, him just, I guess, driving around and discovering the real America. Like, I guess he drove to Area 51 and liberated Paul as a tie-in <laughs> to the Japanese release of that <laughs> Edgar Wright movie, Paul. Wait, who is this guy again? I remember seeing the Patrick Macy's link. He's the co-author of Cruising the Anime City, the Otaku Guide to Neo Tokyo. Oh, okay. And a lot of he works with Patrick Macias quite a lot. Quite a right. quite an, a smart man. They're clever. Um, Spirited Away is the highest ranked anime movie according to Rotten Tomatoes. It's ranked at number thirteen. What is ranked number one, two, and three respectively? Wait, I thought you said anime it was the or just of all things on the on all tomatoes. things animated. These are just general animated movies. So this is basically a non-anime question. Okay, so what's the number one animated movie according to that font of authority among autistics everywhere? Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I never look at that site. <laughs> I hate that site, and I I hate Metacritic more. I hate it too, but it's but it's basically the same thing that appears on this appears in most other rankings of like best animated movie or whatever. So I'm sure if you just name well-respected animated movies, you'll hit them. So is this a list of the... The Lion King. Best or worst? No. Toy Story? Mm, close, no. Mm. Uh, Aladdin? No, all three of them are Disney movies, though. Man, I hate Disney. That's why I became an anime fan. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I just specifically hate Alan Menken, but regardless, I know nothing about these movies. Are they uh, Disney films post... Beauty and oh, the yeah. Beast. Are they yeah, early that's a piece of crap. or later Disney Yeah, post nineteen ninety or pre nineteen ninety. They are the newest and oldest, so that doesn't help you at all. Um, okay, so that means Snow, Snow White, White is one of them. Yes, the Snow Princess White is number frog. two. Princess and the Frog is no, not one of okay. them. Hmm. It's Disney's most recent film. Thought Tangled came oh, afterwards. Yeah, Tangled. No, it's not as recent as Tangled. So you're saying Beauty and the Beast wasn't there, and, and I said The Lion King first, and that wasn't there either. I should say it is a recent Disney movie within the last 10 years, and then the other ones are very, very old. Okay, so we got Snow White. Yes, Snow White is the second. Cinderella? Good guess, but no. Mm. Sleeping Beauty? No. Pinocchio? Yes, Pinocchio ah, okay. number three. And the number one. So then one, the newer one, it's not Beauty and the Beast. It's not a Pixar Little movie. It is a Pixar movie. Oh, okay. so it's oh. probably like Toy Story 2. <laughs> it is Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah. ah, I said you really? were close. Ah. <laughs> okay, on this list, Spirited Away is the highest ranked anime. Name the next highest ranked anime. It is at number 25. Princess, Princess Mononoke. Mononoke. 
Excellent. That's an easy one. I was about to say, is it also a Miyazaki movie? But yeah. Yeah, of course it would be. Yeah. Okay. This one is. uh, Never speak of that website ever again. (laughs) Or Metacritic. What 1960s anime does Akira pull the most references from? The Akira manga? I know the answer to this. I can answer this if nobody else knows. This is not. This is what 1960s manga? 60s, 60s, that's right. Yes, yeah, 60s anime. The manga, I believe, came out in the 50s. Think about Akira's designation. It's a tough question. It's really mm-hmm. tough. You would n- it's nothing like Akira at all. You're not is it Cyborg 009? It is not, but no. uh, it it's is um, slightly related. Yes. Mm. There might be a connection. This isn't directed at me, right? It's directed at the world. I, I would answer it myself already. I just wanted to drag this out. I'm sure if you just name like 1960s anime, you'll hit it because there wasn't a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Guliko. Tetsujin 28. Yes, Excellent. that is correct. Oh, right, right, right. Akira's designation is number 28. Yep. is a big fan of Tetsujin 28. As a result, his naming conventions match the characters featured in Tetsujin 28. Kaneda is the name of this main character. Colonel Shikshima shares his name with Professor Shikshima. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kaneda because of Shotaro Kaneda. Yeah, Akira's oh. Ryusuke. Ryusaku. Oh, see, I don't remember enough of the names from Tetsujin 28 to pick up on that. <laughs> I only remember the names because I watched the 2004 remake. And oh, I, yeah. I bought that, but I haven't watched it yet. Akira himself is named Akira Ryusaku, which is named after Ryusaku Murasame from the show. Akira Takashi has got 26 tattooed on his hand, which uses the same font as Tetsujin 28. And Akira is the 28th in the line of psychics that the government has developed. Mm. So... It's an obscure one, but you were, we're, we're teaching everyone. We're leveling everyone listening to this up. <laughs> How about another one? This light novel series and later anime originally started out, the original premise of this was about a wizard that is revived during Prohibition times and is taken down by the mafia. Aside from the setting, much of this was changed in the final product. Is it Bacano? Has to be. Yeah, it's very Excellent. Cool. That's yeah. it. What other anime is set during that time? Yeah, it's too easy. Tetsuo from Akira made his manga debut in the Akira manga, obviously. However, he did not make his anime debut in Akira. What anime did he first appear in? Oh, this has to be some gag, like, dude oh. randomly in the background kind of joke, right? Yes, it is. Man, there's only a few shows like this, think, like Dirty Pair. I think I know it, but I can't, like, it's think not of, Think of this very... Like Project Echo, that kind of weird stuff like that, right? No, it's not Project Echo. It's not Project it's- Echo and it's not Dirty Pair? No, it's not. Okay. And it's something we reviewed on this show. It is something, it is something we reviewed. Hmm. Think of anthology. Well, it wouldn't be Robot Carnival. It is Robot Carnival. Where was Tetsuo in Robot Carnival? He was in the, uh, I believe, in the opening scene in the background as really? the city was blowing. As one of the random desert villagers. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, not See, case. I just assumed that because because I actually didn't know that that was the case. I wasn't sure if it was Tetsuo, just because Otomo's bubblehead character designs are kind of <laughs> eternal. That would be like saying, "Look, it's the Colonel appearing once again in Steamboy." It's like, no, it's a different guy. Yeah, they all look. He just draws same. everyone the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's seven, no, it's like Tezuka's star system. He has seven or eight character designs. And he uses them again and again. It's really uh, hard work to design characters. If you actually look at it, the design, like he's even wearing the same stuff. Hmm. Anyway, on to another question. This is not about a series that I like. I bet this is uh, Aaron's favorite series. <laughs> what 1997 TV series had to have its name changed when it was released in America because 
of the assumed or associated Nazi connotations. <laughs> yeah, I know this one. I it's, don't know. It's everyone's favorite show on this podcast. <laughs> oh. Clarissa's favorite show. <laughs> is it Vice Kreutz? Yes, it is. It really made his Vice Kreutz release in America as Night Hunters. Night Hunters, yeah. Really? That's what they call it here? I've never yes. heard of it. Yeah, yeah night, night Hunters. They I were, did not the know that. The Japanese were afraid that because it was German that we would assume, like, oh, it's about Nazis or something. <laughs> What's that manga? Meanwhile, that like... they make so many other things with Nazis in them that come out. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Wasn't okay. there a manga with, like, 666 in the title? And they changed yeah, it? Yeah, 666 Satan. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> what is it called in America? 999 Satan? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they changed the name. I think it's called the same thing. I don't think so. Oh, no. Oh. I thought they did. Anyway. Hmm. Well, we, we talked about, like, the highest-ranked anime. Now, according to Anime News Network, this anime is rated as the worst anime out there. This is the 2003 TV series based upon a very large anime franchise. It is the lowest-rated anime on that entire site. Yeah, I only know this because I literally... Ju- no, I, I just looked at it as recently as... The last episode of this podcast. It's Genma Wars. No. It's not Genma Wars anymore? No. 2003 series? Human Scramble or Human Crossing? Like, no. I, but based on, it's based on a big anime franchise. Hmm. I thought Harmageddon was a big anime franchise. <laughs> um, um, Tenshi in Tokyo? Actually, uh, no, it's something to, to give you like, another hint, this show was made as an attempt to... Um, to create a bigger presence for this series in America. It's by our arguments, this probably would not be considered anime because it was not... So SD Gundam Force? Yes. yes. SD, Gundam. <laughs> okay. SD Gundam Force. So it's really? Technic- that's, the- that's only 13 episodes? I thought that was like 52. No, when did I say it was 13? Oh, I made that up in my head, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, that is the lowest rated anime on that entire site, wow. and I don't disagree. It is a horrible, horrible oh. show. This anime has the privilege of not only being on the top 10 worst anime list, according to Anime News Network, but its sequel is right there with it. What is this anime? Is it dangerous? MD Geist? <laughs> MD Geist and MD Geist 2, Death Force, yes. But those are the best cartoons. Didn't we cover this in episode 26 with Steve Harrison? <laughs> okay. We'll, uh, oh God. It's about time for an MD Geist 3. I mean, you know, it's been, you know, about a decade. I think you should uh, do a Kickstarter for that. Yeah. Kickstarter well, for MD Geist? They're, yeah. they're reviving a lot of nostalgia properties, so yeah. Koichi Ohada is a little too busy rolling in that Ikitosen spooge. <laughs> no, I just mean, uh, no, I mean for like anime f- podcast fans would fund a three-minute production of MD Geist 3. You could probably uh, spell it differently and avoid the copyright. Get a Nico Nico MD Geist mad. Okay, this this might be a bit too obscure, but we'll go for it anyway. This one-shot OAV from 1991, released by Manga Entertainment, is also in the top ten worst anime ever. And it is released, it's uh, done by the same director as Candy Candy. Not very helpful there. Think of one-shot manga OAVs, and think of the real bad ones. See, most of the times when I think of the real bad one-shot OAVs, they're CPM. I know. Yeah, but uh, it's manga entertainment. Isn't the, isn't the Holy Trilogy of Suck all manga stuff? Yeah. They are, I was going to um, say, is it Angel Cop? No, Angel no. Cop was six parts. That was oh, that's six, right. That's one, right. Yeah. One episode. One, one episode. And, and Angel Cop is good. <laughs> Aaron, I know you know this. Aaron has died. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here. I'm back. Okay. I don't know. 
Like okay. all this of is- these nineties OAVs like blended together and I forget who released what. This yeah, it's like I can't think of stuff kids. like Bounty Dog and all that is like the l- lamest manga video things I can no, think of. No, it's not of, Bounty right? Dog. I'll, I'll just tell you, it's Psychic Wars. Uh, Psychic Wars is so bad. I don't recall that being like the worst. I just remember being really boring. So I guess in a way is that's bad. That is bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the worst thing you can be is probably boring. You know what I think? I think my problem is I always like mix up Psychic Wars with Sword for Truth, and Sword for Truth is the best cartoon ever made. And we should review it on this podcast. Directed by Osama Dezaki. That's right. I, I introduced everyone to it again for the first time. Mm. Um, I showed like the three minutes of it I could show that didn't have lesbian sex in it. <laughs> awesome. So it was, It's a good scene, but uh, yeah. How about another bad anime? This TV series is ranked as one of the worst TV series ever, and I tend to agree. This is a historical quote-unquote anime from 1999 featuring an end okay everybody knows theme song by dj milky your favorite dj everybody knows the historical themed um (laughs) i was actually just looking up denise paria so i mean you know i can i can answer this i could give you one one hint that'll give it away but i know you know this daryl but i would say you know anorexic character designs i would have just said where the pants at Uh, (laughs) oh okay no, now I know what you're talking about. So, so it's only just Aaron. It, Aaron, no, no, I know it's um, okay. you know, the Alexander the Great one. Uh, yes, Reign the Conqueror. Yes, Alexander which is actually Stanky. one of Noah's favorite shows. What? <laughs> he loves that show. I did watch all of it. He what? Loves, like, I did watch the whole thing, and I was wondering, like, I'm watching the edit. It's like, are they editing around? Is this is this dude's mom getting banged by a snake as he's having this conversation? I think Cartoon Network's hiding something from me. And then I check the DVD. Yeah, she's getting banged by a snake. Of course, because that's what happened in history. That's, like, the real history of... Uh, I saw the Colin Farrell Alexander, the, the ultimate supercut, so I, I can attest. Uh, I think Angelina Jolie was probably getting banged by a snake in that movie at some point. So Noah has this uh, magic power, I don't know if you guys know about it, where like anything that he likes and super loves and thinks everyone will like is a total bomb. And that's like the one that's one big example. His superpower is that Noah's always wrong. I I could have told you that. (laughs) No, it's not that he's it's not just that he's wrong it's also that he has, like, anti- he has anti-taste where I like, how you, I like how you didn't like try to defend him you were just like not only he's, that he, he's even worse we call him often wrong Fulmore but because it's not he's not always wrong but the other thing is like whenever there's something when Noah has this exact response to an anime if he's like I don't see why anyone would ever want to watch this mega hit like <laughs> Samurai Shampoo, this is horrible. That's so not how baseball happened. Clearly, Harmageddon is one of the best shows ever because Noah hates it. <laughs> he didn't, so, well, his, he didn't say, I don't see why anyone would ever like this. He just said, this is the most poorly animated thing we've seen in many, many years. But it's not poorly animated. That's the no, thing. We were, I was trying to argue. It's like, it's, it's got its moments where it looks really well done because like this who's who of animators worked on the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's really good uh, effects animation and other things. I think he meant something else by that. Yeah. I don't, wasn't right i think we should do another bad anime no i thought you were just going to keep asking questions until we found emails to read i i was like going to say oh i have an email but no well if you'd like to read read all right this is a this is a real aaron email it's not like a gerald trap where he says this is a question for aaron and then he asked her something that aaron couldn't possibly know no this is a question about manga aaron okay i hear you happen to understand a thing or two about it i've heard of manga the question is is from someone only known as m but it's i don't think it's dame judy dench 
It says, I've been listening for a couple years now. I finally have a question that may be somewhat worthy of your time. For a while, I was following a manga series, and by following, I do mean buying, every issue, that was being released by Media Blasters. They closed down most of their manga publishing, and now it seems as though they're not associated with it at all. I actually emailed Media Blasters a couple of times, keeping my tone very professional, and they were not very forthcoming at all. But what she's saying, she, she found the next book in the pre-orders, or he, as the case may be, on the Right Stuff website, pre-ordered it. It got canceled with no explanation. Yeah. This took place over a couple of years. I know this has happened, and this is happening to a bunch of people, particularly also now with the closing of Tokyo Pop. So how do you guys deal with manga series that are dropped by their American distribution midway through release? Do you try to import the original manga directly? Do you give up and you find something new? Is it ever acceptable to go looking for scanlations, even if half the series did have an official release. I would like to show that the series has at least one buyer if someone were to continue releasing it, but I don't know who to address that information to anymore. This has happened to me, like, for mm. everything that Raijin released. Yeah, this happens to me a lot. Uh, it happened to me with a Media Blasters title, even. I mean, I was... I'm the most sad about, like, Swan stopping in the middle. Cause yeah. 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 There's only five more volumes left. The CMX rep said to me personally, I was like, you guys got to finish publishing this before you go out of business. And he was like, we will. They did not. Oh, not keep his promise. They were just saying something to make you happy so you yeah. can walk away with hope. It's and true. then you end up getting stuck on this eternal cliffhanger during the equivalent of the Majin Buu saga of Swan. <laughs> it's like the Majin Buu. No, it's in the, the middle New of the New York, York arc. It's like That's New York I mean. in the 70s. I, it's the New, York, New York, in the York 70s arc. Modern ballet is the equivalent of the Majin Buu saga of Dragon what? Ball Z. But you I like mean, Swan. No, I love Swan, but I'm just saying, like, the whole modern ballet thing, it's like, come on, you haven't beaten Cell yet. And by Cell, I mean Liliana. No, so, it's I mean, no, it's totally different. I think, like, the first half of the Swan series is about classic ballet, and then this move in the second half to be about modern ballet is really it, interesting. It doesn't have different. any of the same cast except for Masumi. So, I mean, I'm just like, come on, really you have like to actually other... beat your opponents. Oh. That's how the, the Shonen Power arc works, right? And Swan is Dragon Ball Z for girls. And so no, that's, she's, that's my so mentality of it. So she's learned the other half of she the history of ballet. She fell in love with the wrong guy. What? Look, listen, wait. No. Um, listen, Bolero is <laughs> shitty. Stop. Stop. <laughs> she's learned the other part of ballet, and now she's going to learn the modern half of ballet, and we, then she'll be strong. We never got to, to see go her back and, what, we'll fuse never know, the two. I haven't read the ending. Yeah, there's no, like, Goku and Vegeta, you know, fused <laughs> to form the ultimate ballet dancer, because we're not going to know, <laughs> because the f final five volumes aren't out yet. Now I kind of want to see that. Someone make that <laughs> I think personally, it is perfectly acceptable to go for scanlations if the series got dropped. It kind of shows that, all right, there isn't an audience for this. There isn't an audience to keep it commercially viable, and the chances of things getting licensed rescued are usually not dictated by things like are there scanlations available? I know that's usually a thing that determines. Like, if you're really concerned about supporting the creators, then, you know, I would recommend trying to purchase the Japanese editions. Of course, you would have to purchase them new for any of the money to actually go to the, the manga artist. Unfortunately, right now, that's kind of tricky because the exchange rate is awful. Yeah. But and it's hard to find. Like, you can't find every. Like, super new manga on Amazon yeah. Japan or something like and then it's priority international shipping which is right like yeah most Japanese manga you're gonna buy here is bought used anyway right yeah I mean I've been trying to buy like Jojo's as I can like I still have a lot of it that I haven't purchased yet 
just because it's so ridiculously long. I mean, if it's an older title, like in the case of Swan, like they sell like these kind of omnibus reprint yeah. at, at Kinu Kuniya or something. But then I don't know how much of that money is really going to the creator. But if it's a Media Blasters title, I mean, do they mention what series it was? They just left it cryptic. So in my mind, I assume it's the same one that I was buying, Apocalypse Zero. Because, you know, <laughs> there was only six volumes released here. And that's a saga that goes on to at least, you know, 12 or something like that. I thought that's it was one of their porn titles for sure. But Oh, oh. well, it could have been. I don't know. I think but, that, that division might still exist. But. but yeah, I mean, like, what do you typically do? Yeah. I'm not saying, like, what is, like, the best case scenario, but, like, what... Typically is what you do if you were reading something and it got dropped and it's not coming out anymore. In the case, so let's start with you, Gerald. Oh, boy. What I should do is, like what Clarissa said, is try to buy the manga. But really, I just have to read Scandalations because that's the only way I can actually read this stuff. In my case, I was reading City Hunter quite a bit, and I liked it a lot. And then it got dropped, and I think only a couple of Tonkabons ever came out. That's why, actually, I keep my copies of Raijin around is largely for City Hunter and um, the Fist of the North Star one in there, which I'm blanking on the name of. But yeah, I... Fist of the Blue Sky. Fist yeah. of the Blue Sky, right. And I kind of just have to turn to Scandalations, unfortunately. I don't want to. When it's dropped like that, there's not much other choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I can't read any Japanese whatsoever. I can't even read Katakana. So even if I were to do the legwork and find that I was buying, indeed, a brand new copy of a given manga volume, I wouldn't be able to read it. I would be right. able to look through the pictures yeah. and just sort of put it on the pile as like, okay, I did my, my good deed. But yeah, I usually have to just say, okay, are there scans? In the case of most of the stuff I like, usually if something gets dropped, there's no even movement of fans to scanlate something. Think of how many people have been talking about Swan being great on the professional critic reviewer circuit or even like the amateur fan critic reviewer circuit. That's pretty much like the entirety of Swan's readership. That audience, there's not like there's scanlations of Ariyoshi manga out there for us to go get by some like unseen group of people. I'm lucky that I have scans of Fist of the North Star and Fist of the Blue Sky, but those are the efforts of one crazy guy. Yeah, and that's all you need is one person. As long as they can read Japanese and can do a mm -hmm. decent amount of Photoshop, then you've got a scanlation. Yeah, and that's how we have scanlations of Rikio. That's how we have scanlations of Toph or Shoot Fighter Tekken, Grappler Baki. A lot of that is just very small, if not single-person efforts. Other than that, usually... I'm just screwed. I have to just give up and find something new. Yeah. Yeah, if I were Ed Chavez and I could just switch back and forth between English and Japanese effortlessly, mm -hmm. then I would just buy the Japanese language versions. Yeah, I mean, I still usually have to look for scanlations. Like, I mean, I'm learning Japanese, but it's still not quite to the point where I can just really fluently read stuff. And I'm really slow reading in Japanese. So because I, I often don't have time to try and sit there and kind of wade through and translate stuff. So yeah, like ideally if I can, I'll buy it. But yeah, I still try and look for English scans if I can. Nobody has scanslated the end of Swan, right? I don't no, think no so. No one has scanlated any of Swan whatsoever. There's like one or two groups that do some old shoujo, but I don't think anybody's done the end of Swan. I'm so far behind on reading the manga that I've actually bought that it's yeah. kind of hopeless. So I have bought some things in Japanese, but I've discovered that my Japanese level is so low that, for example, I bought volume one of Miracle Girls in both English and Japanese. And I can read about three pages a day flipping back and forth between both. And Miracle Girls is a series for like, Young girls. Yeah, for like eight-year-old girls. 
and yeah, I can I be on my reading list. And that's been my struggle is it's like I know that I need to practice, but it takes me so long to read through things. And if I get stuck and I don't understand, that's it. I'm stuck. And I know yeah, that in it. cases of like I was mentioning Fist of the Blue Sky – that is a manga for men, and it's like the super manly manga, and they use the super manliest, most complex like kanji, kanji ever. So there's <laughs> no possible way without 20 plus years of Japanese experience, you're going <laughs> to be able to read anything in that. Right, so, right. When a series gets canceled, I'm mostly just sort of like, oh good, something else I can stop buying, and now I'll have more space on my shelf. There's series that I haven't read that I should probably sell, so I'm not, not although it's kind of heartbreaking, I'm not that broken up about it. Now, just to give people an idea, when you talk about your level of understanding of Japanese, now you, you're going to take the JLPT, aren't you? I screwed it up. The test window, the red, okay, the registration deadline this year was like a month. They said check back on our website, and then they there was like a three week window to register for the. So I know I've taken the JLPT twice and failed twice on different levels. I failed the easier level first, and then I thought I would take the next level, and I failed that oh, one. Oh yeah, too. I passed the old level three which is now level four, right. but I only barely passed it because my listening comprehension is atrocious. But that's still um, some serious Japanese. I failed the old level four. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there because you're people who are fairly dedicated to studying Japanese. It's not like, you know, you're doing the peepo-chew thing. You're actually <laughs> yeah. made logical attempts to take the Japanese yeah. language proficiency test to say, yes, you know this much Japanese. And even at the basic levels of being able to take that test still is not enough to read manga. And so for all the people who say, oh, just learn to read Japanese... Yeah, it varies for a lot of people. Yeah, some people learn it yeah. much faster. A lot of people who've studied it for a lot less right. time than me become a lot fluent or a lot faster. Like if you're yeah, living there, I mean, or if you work at a Japanese company, like what Felipe Smith did was he worked at a Japanese karaoke place and his Japanese level went way up. And that's he was the thing, also immersion is super key. And if you feel like your career depends on it, you tend to learn it a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Right. I tend to pick up languages pretty quickly up to a certain point. And then at that point, you really kind of need immersion, yeah. ideally. And I just haven't been able to do, like, study abroad programs. There's no sizable Japanese community here in Central Florida. I think immersion is worth one part, but it's also your actual usage. Like, I live in South Florida. That doesn't mean I can speak Spanish. Even though oh, I right, took, you know, right. four years of Spanish, <laughs> I would yeah. have to actually use the language myself as opposed to just be surrounded by people speaking it. Yeah, you have to be forced to use it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Usually the idea of immersion is that you, because you're in that environment, you'll be using it. But Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. If you go to Japan with people who speak English like I did, then you don't learn anything. You just have to be thrown in. Yeah. You just need to learn how to say tonkats. <laughs> tonkats. <laughs> kudasai. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad when I went that I had people to show me around, but I think like at one point I, I need to take a trip like by myself or spend yeah. at least spend more time like going around by myself so I can force myself to have to rely on it more. I, I think I would fail horribly because like Daryl, I can't even sound out hiragana or katakana. Well, Tokyo has, I mean, there's a lot of foreigners there's, that go to Tokyo. There's a lot of English. So, yeah. Then if I you, don't learn I, anything. <laughs> well, especially yeah. if yeah. you it depends on where you go in Tokyo. I mean, the more you stick to like the main central areas where a lot of tourists are likely to go, there will be English, so you won't be completely lost. All the public transit is lettered in Roman, yeah. so Roman le now, in like normal letters. Small mm -hmm. restaurants might not have English menus, like smaller places. Chain places usually do. 
Basically, Gerald, before we go, we're going to have to watch Tokyo Drift again oh. just to kind of figure out how did Lucas Black make it. It doesn't take that long to learn hiragana and katakana. Everyone always says that, and I don't care. Because you don't try. No, yeah, kana is easy. Daryl, you don't even want to go to Japan. Why would you even bother learning anything? I'm just new? saying. No, Daryl and I will go there, and we will get all the women. I would go there if I had someone to tell me where the cool things were. Like, if I just went myself, or if I went with a mob of the Pop Japan travel tour crew, then it would suck. We'll go with Ed Chavez, and he will show us all of the soap lands. Ed Chavez has the worst restaurant taste. No, Ed Chavez is the best restaurant taste, but all the porn shops closed, so you're screwed. You missed your chance. The best time to go was, like, six years ago. Oh, Man, Japanese well. porn is terrible. <laughs> I can't see the pink. That's what's wrong with that country. We've been over this. Don't you want to go somewhere with the widest variety of fleshlights? That kind of thing? No. <laughs> no, that's Gerald. There's that's... already the Avatar one. Who needs an alien? Yeah, you've got the oh, alien okay. one. So. <laughs> All right. So I think we answered that question. <laughs> this has continued on disc two.